Ladies and gentlemen, it has been quite the week here in the United States. We had the verdict of Derek Chauvin and the chaos that has occurred with that. We had the hypocrisy of LeBron James. We have Rudy Giuliani in the apartment rating. Lots going on this week, and I'd also like to touch on Big Pharma. Before I get to that, I have to say happy birthday, Candace Owens. You are one of my idols. I love hearing what you have to say. Your ideas and perspective is wonderful. Happy birthday. Rudy Giuliani's apartment has been raided by the FBI. Go figure they only wanted artifacts from 2018 and beyond when Rudy Giuliani began to represent President Trump. That is not a coincidence. They have also done that to several other of Trump's attorneys. They want information on Trump. To me, that is a breach of attorney-client privilege. It just is. So what do we do? We can't do anything about it. The FBI is corrupt, and we know that. What's even more interesting about that is they refuse to take the hard drive that belonged to Hunter Biden's laptop. Hunter Biden is a criminal. He needs to be convicted. But nobody will look at the information. Nobody will look at the evidence because they are controlled. This administration wants to intimidate Americans. They want to scare Americans. What's great about that is Rudy Giuliani and these other people can handle it. They have friends, they have power, they have money, they have intelligence. So as long as we have these patriots fighting for us, I think we're going to be okay. People like Rudy Giuliani are going to fight. People like MyPillow, the CEO, they're going to fight and we need them. Those people will fight for Americans and we will continue to fight for what we believe is right. Moving on from this, we had the Micaiah Bryant shooting. What upset me the most about this entire situation is the fact that LeBron James, before even knowing the facts, tweeted out a picture of the police officer and said, you're next. That sounds like a threat to me. Why is he next? Because he shot this girl? He shot her to protect other people. This girl, granted she's 16 years old, she did not look 16, but she was. She had a knife, and her intent was to stab another human being. So this police officer had about 0.2 seconds to respond to this and save this girl's life. What do you do? You have to shoot. They are trained to stop the offense as soon as possible and the only way to stop her before she was going to stab another girl was to shoot her he did the right thing and he should be a hero in lebron james he should be sued for threatening that man's life and putting his life on the line a celebrity has no idea what they're talking about they are so out of touch with reality they have no say in this world and they just shouldn't they should not have say in this world, but they do because they they have a standing. He lives in an all-white community. His home, his events, he's probably surrounded by security often. That security is probably often police officers. I am sure he is protected by police officers. So why is he being a hypocrite? Because he's black? That officer did not go to... Go to that girl and shoot her because she was black. He shot her to protect another human being from being stabbed. The most effective way to stop a threat is to shoot, to not have collateral damage. 
What else would you expect him to do? What's crazy to me is just the narrative that the media and that other people are painting. I mean, they canceled live PD so that you didn't see these officers in what they do in, in how their daily life is and how difficult their job actually is. The job of officers is very difficult and nobody else wants to do it. So why are we painting them as bad guys? I recently heard an interview um, that Joe Pags had with a police officer, and I want to play it for you guys because it's honestly awesome. Well, Joe, we make about 10 million arrests a year, depending on what you believe, 60 to 90 million contacts a year. You can put that in context to the individual cases that stunning. are highlighted 60 over to 90 over million. That's a stunning yeah. number. 60 to 90 million. And, Go ahead. And the truth is, Joe, law enforcement doesn't get to pick who we contact. Right. Uh, people call 911. We respond to the area. We don't pick the area. We don't pick the crime. We don't pick the victim. We don't pick the suspect. That's why looking at part one crimes is so important. We don't invent part one crimes. We respond to victims of crimes, and they tell us where to look, and when we go look for those suspects. I think that's what our job should be. We should be measured towards crime. And this is all different in every community. I've done this for a lot of different communities that have asked me to to break down their numbers because we've had a very difficult time to sort of push back on this narrative. And so so depending on what part of the country you're in, it's going to look different. I would say this. Law enforcement's not perfect. Uh, obviously, no industry is. So we should right. be looking at the truth. The problem, Joe, with what's going on is we're not looking at this honestly. And, and if we don't look at something honestly, we're not going to get to the – you know, we're not going to figure it out. But the lies and the narratives are just – it's ruining what we ought to be looking at. What we ought to be looking at in every single community, and everybody that's listening can do this because it's all online. The data is all online. Is take a look at – at the part one crimes, rape, robbery, homicide, aggravated assault, uh, burglary, and look at the demographic breakdown from the FBI. What race is committing what crime? And then compare that percentage to law enforcement contacts. And you're going to get pretty darn close when it comes to shootings because those are, by the way, it's very extremely rare. Ten million arrests a year. Uh, the ICP says we make about – we use force in about 1.4 percent wow. of those arrests. Most force is not deadly force. It's, it's, it's an arm bar. It's getting people handcuffed, having to maybe tackle somebody that's running, things like that. Uh, but 1.4 percent, so it's very, very slim. And when – so when deadly force is used, you have to look at, well, let's look and see – Who's committing the, the behaviors that's right. causing the deadly force? Now, we know nationally what it is, but it may be different in every community. And so, to, But to take those numbers and go, well, listen, African Americans are just 13 percent, but in the last five years, you've shot 24 percent. Uh, well, yeah, that, that seems bad if you it's look a at non, It's a non sequitur. It's not math. It's right. not real study. It's not right. real, uh, it's not real um, stats. This is the media saying, well, we can't possibly tell the truth. So let's figure out a way we can sell it and pretend it's something that it's not. Let's go by population. That'll be a good one. You made a, you made a comment in passing a moment ago that I'm not even sure that you know that you made, but I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight it because it was perfect. You're responding to 911 calls. Jacob Blake was a 911 response. George Floyd was a 911 Absolutely. response. This generally speaking isn't the police showing up and saying, "Oh, there's a black guy. Let me go talk to him." This is generally speaking somebody in the neighborhood. And also, generally speaking, a minority calls 911 and says, we need help. That was, uh, Micaiah Bryant, that was a 911 call, we need help. The vast majority, I'm guessing, of these cases that we see highlighted nationally have been 911 calls, and we always forget the victim. Like, Jacob Blake allegedly raped a woman and was, was giving her a really hard time at a place where he was not allowed to be when police got called. We don't talk about her. But Micaiah Bryant could have murdered two girls, black girls, with a knife, 
had the cop not shown up and stopped the threat. That's also planned, isn't it, Travis? They purposely aren't saying there was a 911 victim who needed help. Police responded to help that person. That person happened to be a minority. Yeah, it's the, the Bryant case should really tell the entire public that law enforcement is never going to be right. There's, we're always going to have a target. And if anybody's sitting on the sidelines that is not fighting back against this narrative, you better start fighting back because that's sort of a, a telling sign of what is to come. Yeah. And really, when you look at pretty much every one of these events, first off, they're only highlighting certain events. Joe, 76% of the people we shoot are non-black. 76%. You don't ever see the media highlighting that. Wow. Uh, but but you see how these events always tend to play out, whether it's white, black, Native American, or Hispanic, or whatever. They all play out the same way. It's about 90%, 92% of the time nationally, it's a call for service. We don't pick the location, time, or place. We respond to the call. Generally, someone's and how can it po- Travis, how can it possibly be racism? So that interview continues, and honestly, it, it's wonderful. So I want to highlight some of the things. First of all, one percent, one point four percent, is deadly force. The rest is just normal interaction. Um, I'd also like to point out that they are responding to the nine one one call. They call, okay? Police officers don't just show up. Somebody has to call them. Um, and, and you know what? Don't argue the case on the side of the road. Don't argue with police. You can argue your case in court. Just follow the law. Do what you're supposed to do in an obey. Um, later on in this interview, the, Travis Yates, he talks about a program that they have set up, which is called Seconds to Survive. And that program basically s- simulates what police officers go through and gives other people the opportunity to see that and to see how they would react. And I think that's amazing. So this is supposed to be July 2nd in Arizona. July 22nd, I'm sorry. So they actually invited AOC and a few other members um, of the House and Senate to come down and and do this simulation. And maybe it would give them a different perspective and not always be defund the police. You know, Maybe they would actually see what it is like to be a police officer. Do I think they'll accept the invitation? No, I absolutely don't. But I honestly, that was just wonderful to hear. So moving on, the Derek Chauvin, uh, his verdict came in guilty on all accounts. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't agree with that. I don't think he was guilty on all three accounts. Absolutely one of them. Manslaughter, absolutely. Um, but again, it's hard. The jurors already knew the case. There's a lot of pressure. They were probably threatened or knew that their families would be threatened if they voted against it. I mean, who knows? But um, I, I want to remind you guys something as everybody has painted George Floyd in this picture of justice. I believe Nancy Pelosi said that he was the picture of justice, which is completely inaccurate. So I just want to remind you guys, first of all, he was he resisted arrest after ingesting fentanyl. That was that was what was occurring on the day of his death. Prior to that, though, he was arrested for the delivery of a controlled substance. He was arrested for theft. He was arrested for theft again. He was arrested for failure to identify. He was arrested for um, the possession of a controlled substance, which was cocaine. He was arrested for trespassing. He was arrested for the delivery of a controlled substance. He was then arrested with the possession with intent to manufacture and distribute. And he was also arrested for aggravated robbery with a weapon. This man spent... 
a majority of his adult life in jail. He was not a good human being. He is not the picture of justice. I want to come back and sit here and tell you guys, how do you avoid situations like this? You obey the law. You follow the law. You be a good citizen. And you would avoid all of that altogether. And if a police officer asks you to do something, you just do it. If you don't like it, you can argue it in court. Just follow the law. It is not that difficult. Numbers do not support the narrative. There were more white people killed by police officers in 2020 than black people. Almost double, actually. So stop following this narrative that the media is trying to paint because it's inaccurate. All right, so completely switching gears here. I'm not going to talk about the news right now. I want to talk about Big Pharma, which has been an issue for many, many years. This is not new, but it has definitely come to the forefront as we've been dealing with COVID and the vaccine. Big Pharma has a long history of issues. Um, Many companies have a long history of issues. One of them, I'm sure people have heard about this, was in 2016. It was a newer company. It was called Touring Pharmaceuticals. And I believe the CEO, his name was Martin Shkreli, if I'm saying that properly. And he went to court because he increased the price of Daraprim, which was for some hepatitis, among other things. He increased the price from $1,350 to $750 per pill of that drug Daraprim. So he went to court, and ultimately, this business is no longer. But it just goes to show that he was doing this for profit. He just, oh, snap of a finger, he increased the price per pill dramatically. Hundreds of percents. I mean, that's just how pharmaceuticals are. They are greedy human beings. Um, uh, there's lawsuits all the time. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, we're all very familiar with that company. They, they uh, had a lawsuit for improperly marketing Risperidol. They also had a, another lawsuit uh, for talcum powder, which was causing ovarian cancer in, in women. There's so many others, and I won't get into all of them, but over a 24-year period, um, there was 373 million settlements from marketing fraud. There was $36 billion spent on this. I mean, there has been so many issues throughout the history of pharmaceuticals. Nowhere else in the world do drug and medical industries have as much power and make as much money as they do in the United States of America. In 2021, the expected profit for pharmaceutical companies is $610 billion. There has been a 50% increase on prescription drug money spent since 2010. We are up to $535 billion a year. Now, what is the reason for these high prices? Well, I've already stated a lot of it. Whenever money is involved, there's greed. They want to make a profit. They want to have sales because they're greedy. Um, another part of it is because these drug companies develop, they have patents on these drugs. And it gives them a monopoly power where there is no competition. And all they do is increase the prices and have high prices to make a profit. profit and nobody else can compete with them because of this patent. Now, who's going to stop these drug companies? Absolutely nobody. Big Pharma gives the FDA two-thirds of their budget. Two-thirds of the FDA's budget comes from Big Pharma. Do you hear that? 
Do you think the FDA is going to stop them? Do you think the FDA is really here for the people when most of their money comes from Big Pharma? Absolutely not. Another staggering figure is that there are 1,378 paid lobbyists in D.C. for Big Pharma. That is a staggering number of people begging and lobbying for Big Pharma in D.C. I know the average American probably isn't that familiar with the companies that are involved in Big Pharma, um, but some of them are Allergan, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, uh, Thermo Fisher Scientific, Bristol-Myers, Merck & Co., so many, right? And we've, we've gotten a little familiar with some of these due to the COVID vaccine, but there's many, many more that we, we don't know as well. Um, some of the CEOs of this, they make $38 million a year. They, they make a ton of money, a staggering amount of money. Do you think a CEO of any company should really be making that kind of money from drugs? Because I don't. Why is Big Pharma such a big thing? Why are they able to make so much money? And I believe that's because America pushes pills. They want to overpill people on everything especially on mental health. If somebody has depression, oh, here's a pill for it. You have anxiety, here's a pill for it. Instead of focusing on just being healthy, how to overcome things without taking pills. That should be the focus of America and it's not. And honestly, that goes hand in hand with COVID and the vaccine for COVID. Why are we not focusing on building our immune systems, how to eat healthy, how to exercise, how to decrease the ob obesity in America? We should be focusing on those things, but we're not. We're pushing a vaccine instead. I personally will not take the vaccine. I am a healthy young girl. I believe I have a good immune system. I am not anti-vax. I am just anti-COVID vaccine. It's a virus. Viruses change. They mutate. Next year, you're probably going to need another vaccine. It's just like the flu. And you know what? I haven't gotten the flu vaccine in years and I am okay. Because I believe that if I stay in tip-top shape, that I'm going to be okay and my immune system is going to be there for me. I'm going to eat the healthy food. I'm going to have my fruits and vegetables. I'm going to eat the lean meat. I'm going to exercise daily and I'm going to be okay. And I want that to be pushed. I want us to stop focusing on a vaccine and start pushing just being healthy. We have to stop allowing Big Pharma to control our lives and to stop monopolizing the industry. Anyways, thank you all for listening to my podcast today. Um, if you do listen, message me with any thoughts or comments and I'll, I'll see you guys next time.